Welcome to the Post Sunday Podcast, presented by Genesis Church. A place to go further, discover more, and to learn things you possibly never have. It's not just enough to know of God, we want you to know Him. Coming to you from sunny Orlando, Florida, it's time to rethink life the way God intended. This is the Genesis Post Sunday Podcast. What is going on, post-Sunday podcasters? This is your host, your boy, the one and only, Pastor Johnny Sierra. All things coming back to order. Back at you this week uh, on the throne. It feels good. (laughs) But I got my man, my our host as well, Pastor Tim Grandstaff. Man, we're, we're just both hosting it. Let's just, I, let's just put it like that. I quoted Jay-Z last week. You did. Now I came with original stuff, though. The real Slim Shady. <laughs> Guess who's back? <laughs> back again. Let's go. You're glowing because yep. you get the captain seat. I do. And you get your cup holder. I got my cup holder People with my don't ghost watch energy listen, drink. They don't know what it's like. You didn't give me a cup holder on this side of the table. Man, listen, they I feel this, that's the design flaw. I don't feel like this. we're equals. <laughs> I feel like when you sit on that side, you take the wheel and I, you say, this is my ship. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's just the way the design of the table kind of came out. I, I I apologize. We can we can get one custom made for you, though. You have a different, like, just, like, aura about you <laughs> okay. when you sit yeah. in this chair. <laughs> Last so week, last chair. week, I was like, "Woo!" You know, it's just you're 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 on the other end of like, you know, I don't know. I just with you two, you Chad, PJ, you know, I got I got some shoes to fill. I got I got to make sure I cover my ground. I I don't want to like be the the odd man out. You know, uh, it's a good thing, but okay. you know, <laughs> you I, know. Puts me at a, or makes me feel a little like, not myself. You know, like people will be like, you're not yourself this week, or you're you're out of it this week. It's not that I'm just some dialed in man. You, you know, were, you, were, to, you were concentrating hard. I was. See it in your like. Yeah, eyes, I'm like, your what are you gonna hit me with? What's he gonna <laughs> what ask questions me? Are where you are we gonna... going? And I was like, I kind of like this. Yeah, you are yeah. on your toes yeah. right now. Yeah, for 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 all of you listening or watching, um, we don't prefab fabricate this like no. it's like we 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 go through some outlines and we have what we have but we're kind of spitting some things that are coming out so it's not it's not like um you you purposely told me hey this is this is i'm gonna ask you this exact question or we're gonna go here and it's like so you you with that not having that you're kind of like oh man where is he gonna go with we this keep it raw and real and yeah we don't know where it's gonna go yeah yeah, that's all right. And so we're 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 all about that here at the Post Sunday Podcast. We're really uh, where we want to bring you guys uh, just the word of God. This is all centered around our Sunday messages at Genesis Church Orlando that we've been putting together this entire year, which is our never ending story. If you want to look into that, go to our website, GenesisChurchOrlando.com backslash the never ending story. And uh, you'll be able to find uh, just all that we're talking about. We started with Genesis 1 on January 1, and then we are running all the way to uh, Revelations uh, the entire year as we go through uh, the Bible and through the entire year uh, we're doing that. So we're excited about that. But thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of the post-Sunday podcast community. We're excited to be along with you guys. And we are on week 28, episode 28 of our uh, podcast, and uh, we're looking forward to it. If you guys haven't followed us on the YouTube, please check us out over there, youtube.com backslash at Post Sunday Podcast. You can also find us on TikTok, Instagram, and uh, Twitter as well, but also threads. We got threads on there. Whoa. whoa yeah, whoa, you weren't whoa. aware of that, but... Uh, <laughs> Got that opened up this this weekend. Uh, just why not, right? It's another opportunity to That's, to expose the I don't know if I even care about threads at the moment. <laughs> he the said, "The only Whoa. thing I care about 
is seeing Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> and Musk fight in a cage <laughs> that everybody's trying to get them to do to yeah. see who wins threads or Twitter. I think and Zuckerberg, I, man. He, you see some videos? Yeah, it's He looks beast. I don't know. But, he looks but Musk has that, like, that just that mentality. Like, he, no, he, he does. He me down. But I'm getting back. He does I just? I mean, my man. I haven't has, seen no. He has like no fighting. Million dollar rockets blow up, and he's like, no big thing. <laughs> Let's make a new one and keep going. I feel like that's that would be his fight. He's style. your modern day Iron Man. Yes. Right. Like that's his can buy style. anything he wants. Create. I'm waiting for him to build a suit yep. that just like my money's makes on you unstoppable. Him. My money's on him. I, <laughs> when I, it comes I, to that, I will. I will. I feel like Zuckerberg would cower in a corner after he got jacked in his face. Yeah, but the, the you know the the combat. Yeah, I, I probably, I mean, based on what I've seen, Zuckerberg's got some footage out there right. that, you know, so I don't Hit know. the pay-per-view. Whatever. But we're coming at you guys in all angles, all areas, trying to uh, just really keep the content coming. And so follow us through that. But uh, I want to get right to it, man. <clears throat> Episode 28 of the Post Sunday Podcast, Pastor Tim brought a incredible message, basically, as we, have, as we talked about a continuation of scripture because this is a this is God's story and God is continuing to uh, work through dif- these situations and through these central figures. Uh, last week I was given the privilege to talk about Solomon and really introduce him into the picture, um, which tied him into David and what David was going through. And now as we get further along into uh, the story in First Kings, we kind of see a little bit of uh, the back end of Solomon's life. Um, and just kind of what what ended up taking place there. And so uh, you told me, uh, kind of getting kick-started here, <clears throat> we went and we had to go a little bit backwards to kind of know where we're going uh, or propel us into into uh, forward here. So talk to us a little bit because you we, 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 we initially are 1 Kings 12, but you wanted to go a little bit in 1 Kings Yeah, so 11. for our listeners and watchers, this is, this is hopefully one of those episodes where if you are just, you're not even a part of Genesis and you're studying the Bible and you get to these moments where like in the book of Kings, really first Kings and second Kings is one big book, you know, because it chronicles not just the Kings, it chronicles what's happening with the tribes. It chronicles with the, the, the prophets that arrive, um, you know, all of this, it, it, it's those moments where you get into the Bible and you go, I either need to read through this as fast as I can to get mm. to the next the next book or, yeah. or or something that I feel like I can grasp or is more meaningful, or I get so just lost in this. And so when you're talking about two characters like Rehoboam and Jeroboam, even reading it, you're like, which one am am I reading right now? <laughs> and and who's who? And so to do all of yeah. that though with this. First Kings 12 passage, you have to go back to Solomon. First of all, you did a great job with Solomon the week before about, you know, here's David's son getting past the baton with, with given the project of building the temple of God where God's presence is going to dwell. Mm. And for those that know of the Bible and, and know, uh, have gone to church, they would know that Solomon is dubbed, you know, possibly the wisest man to live because that's what he prayed for above all things was wisdom. And, and God gave that to him. Um, but I think that there's a lot of people that they don't understand the other side of Solomon. They don't see or maybe didn't pay attention or read through the flip side of Solomon. And that is, although he prays for this wisdom, he doesn't use it. And therefore, he allows really sin in his own life to become his own demise and bring about destruction. And that's a tragedy that yeah. you could be given wisdom from God. And instead of using it for the glory of God till the day you take your last breath to leave this lasting legacy, you decide to selfishly engage in sin because you now begin to go after your own heart's desire instead of the desires of God's heart. And there's so much that's relatable in that very moment for all of us because so many times God gives us wisdom in his word or in his story or, you know, as we're gathering together, as you're praying, as you're spending time with God, and we receive this wisdom, even this word from the Holy Spirit, and then we go right back out to the desire of our heart instead of the very desire that God or his spirit just gave us mm-hmm. to, to lead us on this path. And that's, that's why we had to come back to Solomon. And, and that was the initial thing was you have to understand what Solomon did what takes place in his life so that we can understand his son, 
who he's going to pass the baton to Rehoboam and this other guy named Jeroboam and the rest of this piece of the story and why it matters. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we could camp here for a while and just blows my mind how someone so uh, wise just drops the ball, man. And, 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 and God, it's not like God didn't warn him. It's not like God didn't say, you know, didn't tell him anything about what he was going to go through, put himself into. Um, we see that he had a very lustful desire. Um, <laughs> last week, uh, I tech, I, I kind of DM'd you guys a selfie picture. Uh, it's kind of an AI selfie picture of Solomon with, with like all of his thousands of wives. You yes. see this, this whole crowd behind him, all of his wives. It's hilarious. I needed that I, this I, Sunday. I, yeah, <laughs> you should have opened with that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, totally I was considering of like, but I, there's just, I added nothing tied into that. So it, it just, it, it would have really veered me off, but. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, how how can a wise individual be so unwise? And I think you hit the nail on the head when you you said that um, you you have to uh, practice or put effort into it or choose to uh, utilize the wisdom. I, I think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like he had wisdom. But I think he tied it. It seems like to me, like he he tied it into his physical um, state, in a sense. And we know that physical or fleshly wisdom can only get you so far. And I, I think he lost the spiritual wisdom side of things. Here's here's a guy. I, I don't that know. You tell me about that. The book of Proverbs. Yeah. And we say book writes the Proverbs. Yeah. Which we would consider a book of wisdom. And there is wisdom. So you don't discount it because now you know that Solomon also decided not to use his wisdom. Mm-hmm. But the very beginning of this, this, these Proverbs is what wisdom is. And he says that the, the, the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. So here's a guy that ultimately has lost that perspective, the fear of God. And I think that is what many of us need to reclaim in our life. There needs to be a healthy biblical fear of God in our life. Mm. There are too many Christians walking around with no fear of God. We have so believed just the one side of the coin that we are a friend of God, that we have no fear of God. And we need a healthy fear of God to put us in our place to remind us of who is the author, who is the creator, who wrote the story, who gets to decide the rules, who gets to decide the parameters, as you said often, the fences and the guardrails that we're to live by on the path he chose for us and he intended for us. We don't get to make that up. We don't get to change that. We don't get to adapt that. We have to fall in line with what he has done for us and live in some fear of that, that if we don't do what he has asked us to do, there are going to be consequences, earthly and eternal. And he has lost that. And many people do that. They have this wisdom of God, and then all of a sudden they lose a fear of God. And I'm thinking, like, I'm not casting stones, but one of the people in my lifetime who I consider a man of great wisdom that I learned a lot from was Ravi Zachariah, who, you know, uh, it does apologetics and would travel the country, and he would debate, and, and he, would, he would take the things of God, and he would unwrap them in such a way. And then the tragedy you hear at the end of his life, you find out that this man had many mistresses in his life, and your mind is blown. And you're like, how can a guy with so much biblical wisdom that I spend a good amount of my time learning and listening from also have this side of him? And it is that reality that you can have all the knowledge in your head. But if your heart is not after God and you lose that connection, Mm. knowledge now becomes pride that you just puff yourself up on. You have a lot of answers, but you have no application in your life. And this is Solomon, right? Now he has the wisdom, no fear of God. He has all the knowledge, no application. It's all in his head, but now it's not connected to his heart. Mm. That's so good, man. And like I was saying earlier, First uh, Kings 11, 9 and 10, and then the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice, not once, twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. 
but he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Um, God tells him twice. Twice, bro. To not go down this certain road, which let's, let's say this. Really, it's three strikes and you're out because Solomon knows the words of God. His father, his you father. pointed this out. Yep. Seven times says, obey the, wor- obey the words of God, obey the commands of God. Seven times, this is his father pleading with him. He knows what it's like when you don't. He has now lived through that consequence, his father David, and had to repent from it. So he knows that in Deuteronomy, God tells the nation of Israel, do not intermarry with the other nations, because if you do, they will pull you away to serve their gods. So you already know that up front. It's already been stated and passed down for generations. Now God comes to you twice. So really, that's three times. It is a true three strikes, you're out. Because this man decides to accumulate a lot of women. Not just a lot. (laughs) A thousand. A thousand. I don't even know if I can figure that out in my head, how that works. A thousand wives in his life. Now, on one hand, you you can... there's no justification for this. So let me be clear on that. You can see that some of it was to create alliances with other nations, right or wrong. If I marry the daughter of this king, now I have an alliance with this nation to keep peace, to get the resources that I need, whatever, right? Right or wrong, some of that is at play in this and what's taking place. But really the root of it, as we know, it says he loved all these women, the daughter of Pharaoh. I mean, dear God, if there's anybody not to go after, yeah. it's the daughter of Pharaoh if you're an Israelite. You've known the, the, the history. You know your people's story. It's crazy. And, you, and then God even says, don't go back to Egypt. For anything, don't return there. So you know the scripture's there again. And now you have to. You could be a common person in Israel, I think, and look at your that. king and be like, oh, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Our king went back and fell in love with Pharaoh's daughter. And then all of the nations that God said don't be like, Moabites, Edomites, the Hittites, these are the nations he looked around and said, do not be like them, do not talk like them, do not act like them, do not worship like them, do not sacrifice with them. And he goes and marries them. I mean, listen, we have one wife. (laughs) Thousand. Yeah. My wife listens very, very attentively, so I'm, I'm not going to say as much on this specific. <laughs> oh, no. I know she listens every I, week. I will. This is your time. I will agree with back. you. Whatever you say. <laughs> You're oh. host right now. Don't bail out. You, you sat up today with a puffed up chest. You I'm are back host, in my bro. chair. I'm in control. I'm sipping my energy drink, I'm and I'm hearing you, you the man. softball back to you. <laughs> We've got one line, got nothing to say. And you just bowed out. On <laughs> no. Yeah, dude, it's that's a, a massive problem. headache um, in itself. Yeah. Um, but you know, he turned into other. He turned to their gods. Like wherever your heart is, that uh, you just got to be careful, man. Like, uh, I think he, I, I think we had a question about this. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's. I think I think someone submitted a question because. This is hard to wrap your brain around, right? It is, yeah. So so let's go there for a minute. Yeah, hit us up. So we got our producer here today, Stanton. What is going on, my friend? Everything's going good. I've been ridiculed about not having a song, so we actually came up a little bit something, so I'm going to play it. Hit us up the jingle. Hit us up with the PSPQ jingle. Let's go. Here we go. I know Pastor Tim quoted um, a couple rappers in the last couple weeks, so actually I'm going to quote one of my favorite. I'm back. I'm ramped up. I'm on 10. Mr. Kanye West. <laughs> Always in the building. I don't agree with majority of the things he says, but that right there got me going. Um, before I ask the question, I do want to say I was listening last week, and I heard that I'm not the favorite producer anymore. <laughs> Wait, I was not the host. We will clarify that. We said you're not <laughs> the better looking. <laughs> I think I think I heard I wasn't the favorite, but I'm gonna let it slide just because. Let it, yeah, yeah. I hey, listen. I I I was not the host, so not, take I, it up with the host that week. Listen, I I went to Atlanta to go watch this man preach. By the way, it was amazing. By the way, touched yeah. my heart. But um, 
a little offended. But you know, I'm gonna let it slide. We're gonna get to the question. I'm not gonna lollygang on this. So, anyways, question that we have this week is: So many of the men in the Bible had multiple wives and concubines. Was this not considered sinful to God? It makes me sick to think of sharing my husband with multiple women. Solomon had a total of a thousand wives and concubines? Question mark. That's where we're at right now. That we're literally is a real question. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'm trying to figure out the answer to that. Yeah. I, I'm trying to figure, like, I watch, I don't watch. Let me, let me, let me clarify this. I've seen those, like, shows with the polygamists who, like, you know, and I'm always dumbfounded when I just see, like, clips and pieces of it. Because it's always one man with multiple wives. I rarely ever find one wife with multiple husbands. Now, I'm sure someone's going to Google it and immediately go, oh, no, no, no. But typically... Yeah. Typically, nine times out of ten, somehow the man gets multiple wives. The wife never gets multiple husbands. So there's some unbalance there yeah. right off the cuff. <laughs> However, here's what here's how I would say something about this. And if you want to speak in yeah. and, and, and into this as well, um Genesis two tells us that a man shall leave uh, a woman shall leave her a man shall leave his mother and father and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And I do believe that there is there is confusion throughout the Bible because we will see multiple stories where men had multiple wives. I will say this. There is really not a situation in the scriptures where that is playing out that there wasn't some type of division, obstacle, sin, destruction, whatever, in the midst of it no matter what. Therefore, it shows you that it isn't what God intended yeah. because it doesn't bring peace, it brings chaos. Mm. Let, let's let's say that. Um, this is where we have to tread lightly, right? Because yeah. if we say a thousand wives brings total chaos to your life, you could immediately flip that and be like a thousand husbands would bring total chaos to your life as well, right? Yeah. So we'll be clear on that. But it does. Like, yeah. there's no way. I try to keep peace with one wife, right? This is this is marriage 101. Like, yeah. how do you find peace at, for the for the rest of your, your life when you say, I do, till death do us part? Because marriage has its ups and downs, its difficult moments. Mm -hmm. And as this, this person just said on their question, just your attachment to each other. So the jealousy and, and the envy that would come from, and that's the thing, like when I watch or have seen pieces of these shows, that you see the jealousy, you see the envy of them yeah. trying to explain how they share each other and how they're okay with it. And you can tell they're trying to justify it mm -hmm. in, inside of themselves because they can't. And I go back all the way back to the story of Abraham, right? Sarah takes their concubine, really, their servant, and tells Abraham, you know, to have a son. And this is, you know, part of their story. And people would be like, see? And then you realize, like, what did it do immediately? It caused complete disruption and division. All of a sudden, Sarah gets jealous. She runs her out of the camp. She tells Abraham to get rid of them. You know, she's feeling mocked by her. You see this anger and this jealousy. And so, like, it's there, but it's not there because it should be. It's there to show you that, like, this was not the path. They tried to jump the gun and do it their way mm. instead of waiting on the promise of God and doing it his way. And with Solomon... These thousand wives, it tells you, turns his heart from God. This is never ends up well in the scriptures. Yeah, that's true. It's true. You see time and time again. Um, I mean, that's that's flat out, plain and simple. That's 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 basically the sum of it. You know, um, I was actually as as we're kind of talking through it a little bit. Um, I just I wanted to hone in on the importance of um like legacy, but also like, um, what is it? Like the, um, generational sin, you know? Um, I, I'm, I wonder if when David is giving Solomon counsel, you know, I'm in my head, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, does Solomon know about his mother and David and the loss of that son, how that was created? Um, through, you know, um, through sin, act, acts of sin. Um, his dad was tied down to sexual sins. 
how and then you know not to an extent like Solomon in a say and so to say that we know of but um but here goes his son and um I just for me it's such a I look at that and I'm like man it's it's such a huge importance to to be very careful with that but like I wanted to get your thoughts on that like well, look at David so he had a few wives yeah so we we miss that little detail in the story mm-hmm. And then as you're introducing us to Solomon, here is this piece where one of the other sons is trying to take the throne. Yep. And Bathsheba comes to David and is like, no, you promised our son yep. the throne. So you see this division being played out. It, I don't know of a story where it ends well, where this man in the Bible has more than one wife yeah. and there's not conflict, yeah. major conflict, yeah. and often some sin involved in it. So to answer anyone's question, it... To me, it's just a reminder. It's not a, oh, it happened, therefore it should happen. Because this is what our culture will do. They will look at it from the outside in and go, well, in your Bible, there was polygamy. In their Bible, there were people with multiple wives. Therefore, we should be able to have polygamy. Or like now there's this, the new cultural term of thruples, where like one husband has two wives and they're all together type of a deal. Like mm-hmm. this is the, the culture uh, that we live in, the sexualized culture. And they will try to even justify it from God's own story, even they don't believe in it. What they don't do is step inside of it and see this never ends well because it's not the way God intended. This is why we as a church... Name Genesis Church, go back to Genesis always because we're able to see how God intended things to be and then how sin changed that. And this is why God comes back to restore and redeem things the way he originally intended them to be at the end of all of it. Yeah. And so this is what we want to do. Live according to the best we can the way God intended things to be. Yeah, that's it's good, man. That's really good. So as we continue, um, I think... Lesson one, we, we, we kind of sum that up, is basically hard work without a heart after God only leads to a heartache. Yeah, and because so, God tells Solomon, I'm taking your kingdom from you. Yeah. So the heartache is, it's not going to happen in, to you. I'm going to take it from your son. Mm. Now, I just want to say this, because someone came up to me in the, at the end of the service. They're uh, an avid listener to the podcast. Nice. Member of our church. And they said something very deep and profound. And I was like, we don't, I don't want to unpack it all here, but it's like, man, I'll think on that for a while. They said, when you said that, I was thinking like, why didn't God punish Solomon right away? Why his son? And then I started thinking as a parent, as a parent, my mindset is if my kid is in trouble or like truly like something's after them, what your, your, your mentality as a parent is, no, I'll step in, I'll take the hit, I'll take the, the bullet, whatever it is, because I want to keep my child safe, right? So is it more heartache for Solomon to lose his throne or to hear, I'm going to take it from your child as a parent, mm. right? Like that's, that's profound to think about. Think of David, not taking the throne from you. You had an affair, your consequences, your son. Like as parents, right? Like it hurts you more that your sin could affect your child than you taking the consequence of your own sin, right? Yeah. I don't know if I can unpack all that right now, Mm -hmm. but someone came up and I was like, and that was like, that's that heartache. Like it's it's not going to be your throne. It's going to be your son's throne. Think of that as a dad. Like, oh, I didn't just mess up my own life. I just messed up my child's life. And you have to sit with that. Wow. You have to sit with that as you're currently ruling. Sin has consequences. Yeah, no matter what, right. whether it's in your lifetime or Ooh. the next. Yeah, that's good. Some people can drive around today or jog and get away with just, things. Just sit on that for a little bit with yeah. what they're doing in their life, going, it may not affect me right now, but wow. what if it affects my children later? Wow. I might need to reconsider this thing. <laughs> yeah, because we think, you know, like we, we mentioned this a few weeks ago with David's sin. You, 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 you think you, you commit the sin, you, 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 you kind of have grades to what, you know, level, level 10, what's, what's, what would be a level 10 sin murder, you know, level five sin or level three, a lie, you know, and, and you just, you justify this and you continue until you, uh, until the consequences come and then you're remorseful, but you'll keep going if nothing's happening. But what if you're compiling trouble and heartache 
for the next generation, right? Like, what if you are, you know, it, you may not see it initially come into your, you know, you may not reap that maybe in your life, and you think you kind of slip through the cracks on things, but the reality is sin is going to have consequences, and it'll follow even if it's past your lifetime. We get in right insane? there today. <laughs> that's a wrap. Just, <laughs> let some people just drive around in the silence and, and evaluate something really quick. Sit in that, that's man. That's powerful, right? So we we go into now um, Rehoboam. Yep. First Kings 12, 4, and 5. Basically now uh, people are coming to him. Yeah, he's been given the throne. Yep. Rehoboam. Um, but Jeroboam. So this is where people get it confused. <laughs> Rehoboam is the son of Solomon. Jeroboam was an official who helped in the, the project of the temple. And prophecy comes to Jeroboam. You're going to be king over Israel. Ten of the tribes come around him and say, we want you to be our king. We don't want Rehoboam, Solomon to be our, Solomon's son, to be our king. And so Jeroboam at first does the right thing. He comes to Rehoboam. And says, I know you're the heir, and you're going to get this baton for the throne that you're on. And if you would, you know, alleviate the taxes, if you would lighten our burden for, for the workload that the people of Israel have been in under your father, so people don't see that side of Solomon. He's kind of created, you know, Egypt all over again. And wouldn't you, if, if you married Pharaoh's daughter, you know, in, in the process of this? So he's now, he's now really enslaved the people to a, a heavy workforce, which is what we saw back in Egypt. He is taxing them to get the money for the resources for the temple. His focus has been the project, not the people. And so they're asking his son, can you lighten that now? And so his son says, well, go away for three days. Let me think about it and then come back. Mm. And in that process, he encircles himself with two groups of people. The first are the elders who come to him and say, hey, if you would serve them, give them dignity, respect, treat them as valuable people again. They will serve you forever. You'll get your throne. So it's that thing of like there's a generational sin, but then you 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 have to ask the question, could it be broken if yeah. he would have been obedient? Instead, he does what many people do. He goes to his buddies he grew up with. It tells us the friends he grew up with. Crazy. He has encircled himself with them. And they're like, hey, your dad did this. Oh, you should even go further. So they're literally like telling them that the might in my finger is thicker than my father's thighs, which is like, we're on the podcast now, right? So we can unpack this a little bit more. Yeah. This is not just like, watch how strong and powerful I am. This is a, this is as close to a derogatory statement of saying some, in essence, Certain body parts are bigger than his. I'm going to prove that, even than my father. Okay? Mm. That's really what he's saying. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to prove my manhood and, and my might and my power, and it's going to be proved greater than my father in, in, in a derogatory sense, kind of. And all of a sudden they say, my father used whips. I'm going to use scorpions, you know, type of a deal. Like, I'm coming at you with veracity. And, 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 and a fierceness that you haven't seen. Yeah. You haven't seen. And that causes the division. And that's where we found ourselves because the mind-blowing part is he has this moment with godly counsel, but he chooses the confirmation of his friends. The importance of who you surround yourself with, right? Mm -hmm. We find out here it's a perfect example. You know, people that are giving you, that have seasoned, they, they, they have wisdom. They have understanding on certain situations. Um, and it was, let's be honest, sometimes we get counsel and it's not what we want to hear, but it's, it's what we need to hear. And I think, um, I think we find ourselves with that, man. The importance of who you surround yourself with is going to dictate um, where you're going to end up heading in your decisions, in your life, um, what approach you're going to take. And so it's very important. Now we live in a, in, in a very social media-driven culture that we may follow trends over people that have, have we should lived trust. through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you go to counseling. I go to counseling. We ask the pastors of the staff to go to counseling. We have elders at this church. In my own life, I have 
mentors and advisors. And just a week and a half ago, I was in Atlanta and we stay at my marriage mentor's house. Yeah. They have been, which is amazing in our life for the 23 years of my marriage. They have been marriage mentors to us for about 19 of those. And there were so many times when my wife and I were like in an argument and we would go to their house to help ask for them to like mediate this argument for us. Right. (laughs) And that's what they were there for. It was great. They weren't just there to give us counsel that they were there honestly like, Hey, you ever hit that critical moment where you're just stuck and you can't go anywhere. You call us, we'll get the coffee pot going. Their kids were a little bit older than mine. They'll take your kids upstairs and we'll, we'll help you navigate these hard moments. It was beautiful because it helped us in such a way that most young couples don't get in their life. And so um, when, when I was up there, what I was reminded of was that when these moments came and I thought, man, my wife and I are in an argument and today she's going to learn how right I am and how wrong she is. Mm. You know, it's like, I think I'm going to get confirmation that, that what I'm doing is right it turns around and he's like, Hey dude, you're an idiot. (laughs) Like, what are you thinking? What were you doing here? You know? And that's that moment where I realize I can reject this godly counsel or am I just here looking for confirmation? Am I just here looking for what I want to hear today? Or do I really trust that these people are here for my best interest? And The sad part is that as pastors, we know this, we will invest a lot of time in people's lives and God gives us, this is part of our role, the ability to have some spiritual insight into some things to help guide people according to God's word. I would hope he did. That's why we're pastors and shepherds. However, how many times do we sit with people for weeks and months and tell them like, this is the path you need to take. This is what you need to do. And they go right back out the door to whatever it is because they, the rest of the week are surrounding themselves with people who confirm the very decision they really want to make for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And so the lesson two with that is looking for confirmation instead of counsel only leads to a life of chaos. And so that's flat out what ended up really taking place. Um, we find that this king took the he took the uh, the role of his his young um, friends, and ultimately it just led to to chaos. And so, um, anyways, moving forward to that, you mentioned ultimately the people wanted the promise from heaven along with the pleasures of earth. You can't have both. Oh, you can't have both. That is, that's Christianity 2023. That's not just then. That's where the Bible's living and active. That is where we have many Christians who have hung their hat on this moment. And then they're like, hey, because I'm promised heaven mm-hmm. and I am eternally secure whatever lens they see that through do i believe in eternal security yes but i believe there's some people that are not saved that think that because of some moment in their life that 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 they are when the rest of their life they are spending completely against god and not for god Mm -hmm. and you can't have both and that's there's difference between the people like a david who your heart is after god and you sinned and you learn what repentance is and you come back to god Mm -hmm. But we have this generation of Christians that they want to, I've never been to a funeral where someone that didn't at least like grow up in church or, 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 or lean into religion at some point doesn't come back and try to claim, hey, I know these people are in heaven with God today, right? This person is, this family member, right? No matter what their life looked like on earth. It's like we want to make sure that the promise of heaven is there, even though the pleasures of earth was what they sought after their whole life. And there's a conflict there. And I'm not here to judge and say, I can dictate every single one of those situations and tell you who was really in and who was really out. But I can tell you that's a really, that's a really dangerous game to play with God, right? Jesus said, you do not walk in my ways, walk as I walk, then you're a liar, right? Because the truth is not in you. And therefore, you can claim it, that you know it in your head, but if you're not walking it out, 
There's a disconnect. When God returns one day, the scriptures tells us he will say, depart from me to some people. I never knew you. And they're going to say, Hey, we cast out demons. We did this in your name. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. So there's a reality check. This is back to that fear of God that Solomon has lost, that Rehoboam doesn't have. Now he thinks I'm going to be more powerful than my dad. And now it is caused complete chaos. This is what confirmation does instead of counsel. Now the 10 Northern tribes, Northern tribes separate from the two southern tribes. The ten northern tribes build their own temples. They were never instructed by God to do that. Jeroboam puts golden calves at these temples, which is mind-blowing because now it does look exactly like Egypt, you know, not like Israel in the promised land. And his son disregards the words of God in such a way that he loses all the alliances his father built before him. So with the alliances his father built in wisdom he completely deconstructs in his immaturity and his, you know, power grab um, and his desire to do his own thing. And now you see this is where we landed with the story yesterday that their selfishness has taken a chosen people of God and now divided it. And ultimately, it never returns. Like we're going to see Israel end up in captivity in a few weeks. Mm. The northern part, then the southern part. And then like when Jesus comes back, Israel is no longer their own. They're under who? They're under the rule and reign of Rome. Rome then steps in and takes over. Like they never regain their their position the way that it was given to them in the promised land because of their sin. Like this trickles down for generations. That's crazy, man. And you, you said a sin allows you to have good intentions to distract you from godly obedience. People think, you know, I did the right, I may have done the right thing, but is it is it what God wants you to do, right? And so I, I think that comes with a, as we mentioned in the beginning of the show, uh, sensitivity and a fear of God. Uh, and, and when you have a fear of God, it, it, it connects you to his heart. You know what he desires. You know what, what he wants through his word. And so selfishness keeps us from being generous. You, you did a couple of them. You yeah. talked about selfishness keeping you from ge- uh, being generous, keeping you from being obedient, and keeping you from being unified. Yeah, we, we see this played out in Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Yeah. Right? We see this being played out in Solomon. We have to see this being played out in our own lives. And here's Rehoboam who could have been generous treated these people with dignity, lowered the taxes, lightened their workload. Instead, he raises their taxes and makes their workload heavier. He gets greedy instead of generous. And that therein brings about the division. They're both greedy because now they both go rule their way, their desire, so they're both disobedient. And then, therefore, Israel's no longer unified. They're a divided nation. And we have to see that same outcome in our own life. This is what selfishness does. It's sinful. Every decision we make against God is selfishness. God says, go this way. No, I want to go that way. God says, no, have one husband, one wife. No, I want a thousand. God says, hey, I'll give you the whole garden. Just don't eat of this one tree. No, I want the one tree. God says, hey, don't, don't look like the nations around you. Well, that's not cool because then I won't feel like I fit in. I need to look like the people around me. God says, Hey, your talk should be different than the talk of those around you. Well, that doesn't make me feel like I can connect with people the way that everyone else is connecting and build those friendships. God says, listen, don't give the appearance of evil, but we go in these places. We enter these relationships. We take these substances, we consume these things. And then we wonder why our selfishness has brought about destruction or division, not just from God, but from people in our homes and our marriages and our lives. There's not a marriage that is that has been split and divorced that didn't have selfishness at the root of it. Mm-hmm. At some point, someone wanted something different. Either they're saying their spouse couldn't give them, their spouse couldn't offer them. We we just had ir- irreconcilable differences, meaning we're both selfish. And we both think we should go our own way and get what we want now throughout the rest of life. Like this is how our lives are lived and it is sin against God. And so we should be the most generous people. Yeah. We should be obedient people and we should be unified people. And the church of God 
right now in 2023 around the world, especially in America, is divided. Divided by what? Selfishness. I want music to be this way. I want the pastors to do this for me. I look for the church with this type of building or these type of programs, yeah. or I want I want the, the, the teaching to not give me godly counsel, mm. give me confirmation. I want I want the, the the church to align more with the culture and its ideologies and affirm it than I want you to preach against it and sin and and to live in fear of God. And therefore our selfishness is dividing us because we're not asking God what do you want? We're trying to tell God what we want to do. Yeah. We're we're living under our own specifications in life and what we desire. I told Jennifer this last night, my wife, I said, uh, as a church, we're getting to a place where um, it's no longer going to be comfortable to not to 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 just come and do the status quo to put put, put it down on the checklist. My my weekly attendance at church, I got it marked down. I'm good to go, at least here at Genesis. We're getting to the place where you're 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 gonna find yourself being a little bit of the oddball because of where we are and what we've been saying these this entire year and positioning our people, even last year, uh, of being a church that's not defined by four walls, being a church that uh, is challenging people to be on mission, not on not sitting in the comfort of a seat. Um, like all of this is is coming into into life and I we're getting to a place where where those people that want to live by those specifications of comfort um, and and the weekly checklist of, of just being the fine Christian that they need to be, um, they're not going to be comfortable anymore. And and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for people that that are going to be on mission, people that that are saying not my will but your will, God. We talked about it. You you really hit it nicely at. at towards the end of the service like you know you uh as we get ready for our biggest sports and arts camp ignite here in orlando florida which by the way we invite you to be a part or you know whatever i mean we still got some spaces but you know it's just going to be one of the biggest events to date uh for us but next week we could have multiple different families coming in for the first time um it might have to bring uh, a level of uh, discomfort for us. We, we might not get the chair that we're used to getting. We, 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 we may not attend the service that we like to attend. Uh, but are you, but are you saying, God, not my will, but yours, right. you know, and, and, and it's not my specifications in life that I desire. It's what you desire in my life. And do so I, do I consume religion or do I consume Jesus? Yeah. There's a difference. There's yeah. a total difference. And the light switch has to go off. Yeah. Consuming religion is I like my place. I like the church gives me coffee. I like having my seat at my service time. Yeah. And then I like to leave at the appropriate hour with as little traffic as possible to go do what I want to do. Yeah. Every time you say I, I like, I like, Careful I like, you, you need to yeah. check your selfishness. No big when time. you start to come in and go, where can I be the church? How can I serve the church? How can I minister to other people? How can I be on mission? Hey, if they ran out of coffee, I'm going to celebrate that. That just means we had so many people exactly. that, that, you know, we didn't have enough coffee to go around. Man, that's so exciting to be a part of a movement like that. Yep. We People have to shift that. They have to move from attenders to participators. And this is what I believe COVID has done. COVID sifted the church. It's why... Not, I don't think churches have really woken up to the reality of many of them have not, in their words, recovered since COVID to the numbers they were before. My take on that would be, no, your church just got sifted from the attenders to the participators, right? The ones that were just showing up and attending, and when it got comfortable to not attend anymore because the world got shut down and you could watch it online or you could choose something else on Sunday and they fell into that more comfortable pattern and they didn't return. The people that returned it were returned, returned it. That's not a word returned are the ones that were hungry for God, 
that miss being with the body of Christ, that saw an importance of gathering weekly to worship God, to take in this, to be shaped and molded so they could go back out. And that's what we're seeing. That's what we're here for. Me and you know, along with the other pastors, we don't want to lead anything less than that. So when we say we're not defined by four walls, we mean it. It's why we're a 13-year-old church without a building still. Do we want a building one day of our own? Be great. Listeners, anybody, you got land? You, get, you want to do that for us here in Orlando? But we're not chasing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're chasing after God, and we're teaching people the way God intended, yeah. to rethink life the way God intended. And that's our approach and our strategy in all of this. Yeah. And so when we say... We don't gauge success by the amount of people in seats. We gauge success by the amount of people on mission. That's it. We mean that. You don't hear us talk numerically about the size of this church, and no. it's growing. We're at three services. We don't tell the people our number. We didn't tell people the number at Easter, yep. right? <clears throat> exactly. What we talk about is there are 200 volunteers at Ignite Week, right? Yeah. 200 people that for five nights are going to spend time together serving, that are going to build relationships, friendships, invest in kids, families in the church. Why? Because when those families come in our church this Sunday, guess who's going to be around the premise to see those families and those kids from camp? Those volunteers. Guess who's going to come in Sunday, grab their cup of coffee, and reconvene in a conversation that they started on Wednesday night? those serving at Ignite Week. This is why we push people on mission because this is how you build your biblical community around yourself. You don't do it by just showing up, sitting in a seat, and walking back out. Yeah. These are the important things to us. Yeah. Comfort is not king. Yes. And I think we misinterpret that. I think we, when we find comfort, we hit the cruise control button and we think that that is ex- the exact spot we're supposed to be in. If anything, I would argue that comfort actually makes you, um, it, it makes you lazy. Uh, comfort can um, make you compromise. Comfort can put you in a place that you just don't want to be. Um, and so, like we said, we're, 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 we're at a place where we're putting people, it's going to be uncomfortable for some people. But it's something that they need to understand that it's not us doing it intentionally. It, this is the mission that Jesus left us with at the end as he left. He said, go be the light. Go, go, go to all nations and tell them about me, right? And so that's what we're doing. We're doing it through Ignite Sports and Arts Camp Week. We're doing it through our major services throughout the year. We're doing it in all avenues, even with this podcast. Uh, We're doing it. And listen, take it where you want to take it uh, from this moment. If you absorb it through this podcast, if you absorb it online, if you absorb it in-house with us, however you do. But my challenge is that um, how are you going to grow from that? Um, are you now coming consistently and sitting down in the same seat every week and just that's your routine now? Are you sitting at the comfort of your own home watching online and that's as far as you're going to go and never step into the building and participate? Like, ask God, like, what are, where are you wanting to take me to the next level? Because I don't want comfort to be king and I don't want comfort to um, take the place of where you are trying to, to, to position me in my life. And uh, I heard this, um, in order to make diamonds, it needs pressure. It needs, it, needs to be, um, it needs to be pressurized for a diamond to come into shape, into its form. And so where, where can God apply pressure in your life to allow you to, to, to shine, to become the diamond, to become what he wants you to be, whether that's now taking the next steps to serve, whether that's now um, open, maybe, maybe open up a small group coming up in the future here, whether it's reaching out and being uh, just uh, someone that people can come to for spiritual advice at your workplace, uh, or whether it's testifying to, to new believers in your environment, in your, in your, in your circle, um, whatever it may be, becoming a coach at Ignite, um, just taking the next step. Where is God want, applying that pressure for you to just grow, level up, go to where he wants you to be? Um, and that's, the, that's probably, I, I love how you really wrapped it up at the end of that with that challenge of let's really get out of this selfish space, this comfort space, 
and and be ready for where God is leading us and wanting wanting to go for our future. You know, you hit it ending there. That that's the key I think for this whole podcast is the comfort is king piece. And one small little backside piece of this whole story to kind of put a bow tie on it. At, in 1 Kings chapter 10, it tells us that King Queen Sheba comes to visit King Solomon. Okay, I think she's from Ethiopia. She has heard of the splendor and the glory of the temple, and she wants to come check it out. And so she comes and says, I, I heard the rumors, and I want to know if it's true. And she sees all that he has amassed as a king, and she's blown away from by it. And there's two parts of it that I think just, just put a nail on, on the head of what you just said. At one moment, she pretty much tells him, now that you've amassed all of this stuff, you got to maintain it, right? So it's like once you get yourself to level, all of a sudden, as you said, you reach comfort. Mm. And now you need to do whatever you can to maintain that comfort level, right? That's usually where you get yourself in danger because it's like now that I've reached this status, whatever it takes to keep me here, I'm going to do to keep me here. So the selfishness comes in that, right? Yeah. It's that that comfort level. Then it, then it gives us a glimpse into the comfort level of Solomon that then I think we find out all the rest of the selfishness and sin, right? Mm. Pay attention to this one verse, and I think it's, it's just it's awesome to end on today. So stay with us if you're, if you're listening and watching. When she sees his wealth, this is what it tells us in verse 14. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year, you ready for this? The weight of it. 666 talents of gold. 666. Mm. So there's a glimpse into this anti-God number, into how much he's accumulated. It is given to you in Scripture. So many people think like 666 is just the mark of the beast at the end of the whole story in Revelation, and we're all so frightened by, you know, some tattoo on our forehead type of a deal. And we miss that it is really a number of anti-God, anti-Christ in our lives. And there's a reason why it tells you it is 666 pounds of gold that he has amassed, letting you know what he has achieved to get comfortable with. Wow. It's completely against God. We need a mind-blown uh, jingle. That's so good. Like, whoa. That'll be producer Stanton's job yeah, next time. Let's go. Let's go. Homework, buddy. We got some homework. Um, but, man, wow. What a, good, what a good episode. I'm really excited for what God is really continuing to build here. Um, I just love, man, we have more meat on the bone even coming out of Sunday. Like, you know, people are just like, you can still – discuss more things than what you you know said in the span of 25 30 minutes yes there is oh, we could talk for a while yeah for I think sure peter preached in in, in the peter it's peter I think or paul right now my mind's fried at this point <laughs> but they preached so long the person fell out of the window overnight yeah <laughs> like i feel like i could do that i could preach long enough you'd fall asleep and fall out a window you know yeah. but that's because we love this yeah we are passionate about this big time and big it time. is our desire to help you know the Bible. Yeah. But as we live learning with Solomon, not just know of it. Live it. Know it and live it. And yeah. that's the great part of what we do here and you do well is we're putting the meat on the bones, the application. We kind of are talking in this out in our mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's good to help people process. Yeah. Yeah. We get very practical with it. And, uh, you know, I just think in that type of lens, you know, what is the average consumer thinking when they hear and sit down and, and to a message and the uh, amounts of questions that really come through. Uh, and, and we're going through a series, so we, you know, the responsibility, a lot on you, pastors, to really unpack some history and give people context um, with some of these stories. And so it can be a little bit overwhelming, and that's what we want to provide some some more meat for you here on these podcasts. But thank you for sticking with us. We appreciate you guys uh, in this episode 28 as we discuss A Kingdom Divided. You can find that in 1 Kings, uh, a little bit on 1 Kings 11 to find the backstory, but really on 1 Kings chapter 12. Uh, but once again, man, uh, if you have any questions for us, whether it's this episode, episode 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, whatever, um, submit those. We want to hear that from you in uh, whatever um, 
whatever social media platform you prefer, DM us there. Send us a question. Uh, but if you prefer an email, post Sunday podcast at gmail.com. Send it over. We want to hear what your thoughts are, what what is on your mind, uh, and we'll try to do our best to really answer those for you. But um, yep, keep, keep a follow on us on youtube.com backslash at post Sunday podcast, as well as TikTok, Instagram. Twitter and the new threads that we got going on too. You'll see some things going on there in our stories and all of that. So thank you so much for all you've you've been a part of. We look forward to being with you guys next week. And uh, yeah, we'll continue this never-ending story. We love you guys. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to the Post Sunday Podcast presented by Genesis Church. A place to go further, discover more, and to learn things you possibly never have. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Genesis Church Orlando and at Post Sunday Podcast. Till next time, grace and peace to all of you.